I swear the productivity of this podcast would be so much higher if we didn't need batteries. Yeah. The the first 10 minutes of every time we go to do one of these involves me running around pulling batteries out of my mouse, Xbox controllers, toothbrush. Have we ever started on time? No, never. Made it out of the teens, Keenan. Our podcast is almost legal. It almost drank. Welcome, guys, to Direct a Podcast. I'm Kurt Schneider. And I'm Keenan Wetzel. And a uh, very special thanks to our sponsors, Aidful Creative and Film Supply. Film Supply is a full-service licensing agency that houses incredible, highly curated footage by myself and hundreds of other filmmakers. If you're looking for footage to fill the gaps or just building treatments and need inspiration, check out filmsupply.com. And today we've got a we got a new first on the podcast. We got some twins, four of us. We chat with the directing duo and twins, Aaron and Winston Tao of Twin Towers. We chat about their most recent film, Sleep Well, My Baby, which is a super powerful story that follows the journey of a woman that has escaped from North Korea and is seeking refuge in China. So here we go. Let's play. Aaron and Winston, thank you guys for being with us today. Cool, yeah, cool. thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're stoked to be here. Awesome. So, as always, starting it out with a tough one, what is your Desert Island movie? One one film you could watch for the rest of your life, what would it be? And because you're twins, you get two separate ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, most people treat us as one person, so yeah. we're excited about this. <laughs> you guys and, and on this island you guys can you can exchange. So like this Can is, we swap movies? Yes, on the yeah, you guys get okay. the swaps. Pretty beneficial <laughs> to be a twin. So our, our island is a lot better than other people's yeah. islands. <laughs> I would say um, mine would be Babel. Um, I love I mean I personally love that film. I mean, both of us actually like uh, just multiple storylines um, and just how um, Babel is just so delicate. Everything about it from the camera work to the story to how it's a it's a cultural um, commentary. Um, it's, it's a really it's a film that I keep going back to and revisiting uh, over and over again. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think we really like ensemble pieces. Uh, just, I mean, I would have to say crash it's, and I would just say that just because it was, it was the film for me that got me into filmmaking. Um, back when that, that had come out, I, I had never even considered making movies before. Um, but I would just go to the movies for entertainment, just like most people, and just, you know, just for a popcorn flick or something like that. But I saw that film, and I couldn't stop thinking about it for, like, two, three days. And it was the first time that I realized that, like, movies actually can play, like, an important role in your life, and they can impact your life in a way that, like, I never thought was possible. And it just got me thinking. Um, And from there, um, that was the first, our first foray pretty much into filmmaking from there we made like a, a movie about like waldo and stuff so i had nothing to do with like making meaningful films at all but um 
but uh yeah it just it just um really affected us and uh so that that i'd have to pick that just just because of the the uh, significance for me so how did you guys get into filmmaking like once you saw that movie and you were kind of inspired by it how did you guys kind of think of it as a as a reality well we were we were going to a community college in orange county um and we had to, we had to take like an elective class so we were taking like an an, an acting class um just yeah, to fill up to, our elective we, courses we just had to fill up one unit and so the only class that was open was was a theater history of theater class and we hated it so much we like talked to the teacher after we're like hey like no we're not dogging on you or anything but this is just not us is there anything else that's available and they said oh yeah there's a there's an actual theater class and so we took that and we just fell in love with acting and then we actually acted for a little bit, a couple of years, and yeah, and, and we just found out that you know when you're like a no, a no name actor, you don't have anything on your belt. You kind of just need to take anything and everything that comes your way. For us, it was either like just like the geeky Asian guy or like the the intense like um, like gangster Asian dude. It was like completely opposite, and it was just you just get boxed into that. You don't get any really meaty roles at least when when we were just starting out and so we we wanted to just write ourselves in some stuff um and so we picked up screenwriting um and then through the screenwriting process that towards the end of that was when was when we saw crash and we were like wow um you know what if we just made our own stuff yeah because like Um, they our teacher would tell us oh you know, you guys do do realize like the director is the one who like will change the script and we're like oh we don't want that to happen so Let's just start making our own stuff. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, the producer's the one who has the money and it's going to change everything. We're like, oh, well, we'll just like make our own, like, just like one thing led to the next. And we're like, well, we'll just make our own films, I guess. And we just tried as best as we could to do that. Yeah. So as far as, as far as you two working together, was that something that happened organically or was that a, a conscious a conscious effort that you're you saw that working together was going to get you get you farther or is it um you just love working together and it just happened that way i mean we've always wanted to work together uh it just it's it's taken quite a few years to figure out how how we best actually work together so i think the idea of it was was better and like the idea of it in the beginning was more appealing than actually knowing how to do it if that makes sense yeah um and so it took quite a while like winston went to chapman film school for directing i mean i i was there in and out like the teachers some of the teachers like knew who i was and stuff i'd sit in on the classes or whatever (laughs) um so i was like there but i wasn't actually going to the school i was going to a different school in texas um, and then I decided to drop that and then just come back out when, when Winston was working on the thesis. And so we worked on that together. Um, but I, we would honestly say like, it's only been the last year and a half where we've really, um, you know, figured out how to mesh well, um, working together. So like we've always done multiple roles and stuff like when we write or, or whatnot, but, um, I just started getting more and more fascinated with, um, cine stuff and so just understanding like that with us that was like a weak point in our directing and so um started learning more about that educating ourselves and then trying to shoot our own stuff and then um and then yeah just figuring out now how to you know how we've best been able to work together um 
so it's been a it's been a growing process for sure so i guess like speak a little bit about what that process looks like because i know for for me personally like i've done co-directions and stuff in the past and there's definitely points of like friction and stepping on each other's toes and um yeah i definitely have seen the benefits of it but i've also seen uh some of the negatives but i'm you know i'm just really curious what are some of the methods you guys have found like in both pre-production and production and even post like what are what are some of the ways that you guys are able to work with each other and not get in each other's way yeah well um for us and i know directing duos usually just do everything different um but our process we've kind of found that like um like uh i guess i i'm and this is winston i'm i'm more of uh i think i see things in the bigger picture a little bit more clearly um yeah and and just like how like story beats are gonna work out and how um how everything is going to come together like as a whole. And my brother, um, he's got a real talent for making stuff really come alive within that, within that bigger picture, um, with, with more of the details, um, and things like that. So in our writing process, um, it even boils down to that. We're usually like, I'll just kind of beat out things as a whole of where we think that we're going to go. And then when we go off and we rewrite, um, Aaron can really make those scenes, individual scenes really come alive um, with different like uh, metaphors and symbolisms and different things like that. Um, And now it's kind of come to a point too, where we have with our knowledge of of cinematography, even though we consider it pretty, pretty basic um, at least um, we have it more too, where since Aaron is, is more heavily involved on that side, he's more kind of taken over with, just the look of things. I mean, we agree on that and stuff like that, but like he can communicate with the DP um, a little bit better than I can. And when he's doing that, I'll kind of handle the actors. If there's anything on set that we're not fully agreeing uh, or we just see differently, we'll just kind of talk it out, you know, throw some fists and stuff. And then take each other to the back. (laughs) Yeah. The the most important thing is getting on the same page during pre-production. Yeah. So once the script is like written, like the template is flushed out and stuff for us, then it's like, okay, these are the, these are, this is the look that we're thinking. This is like how we feel like we're going to, um, you know, direct the scene. These are the emotions that we were, we're looking to get. This is, you know, how, and so we'll talk about how to, how we, how we want to direct the actors and, you know, collaborate with the DP, stuff like that. Um, and then, so then all that stuff, we try to knock it out in pre-pro and then, when we get to production, it's just like adapting to things. Now, would would, yeah. would you guys suggest to like other you know people who maybe they're not brothers? Um, would you suggest like doing a directing duo, or if people like come to you and asking you about directing duo? Because it seems like it's they're becoming more popular. Yeah, yeah. we kind of see that, and we hear a lot of like mixed things on that. It's it's really tough. Like un- unless you're like able to be exactly on the same page, I, I just find that it could be really really difficult. Um, yeah, like Winston and I, like we're twins, you know, so like we, I mean, some twins are close, others aren't. Um, but for us, like we already like, we just have this thing where like, I know what he's thinking sometimes, like we're on the same page just through, um, our chemistry together. So like, and even that gets, that gets, that still gets difficult, like really difficult. 
and and we consider ourselves very much on the same page. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I unless you like are really unless you guys have like, I, I, and we've seen it done before too, really well. But yeah, um, I, I guess it would just all come down to the pre-production, just making and and the communication, like making sure that that you're both going after the same vision mm-hmm. um whatever that might be according to what your project is because if if you have two different directors who are both very talented they you know obviously they would have very different visions naturally of how they want to shoot something or how they want to direct an actor or, or whatever that might be um and whatever story that, that they might want to tell um so you know it, it gets a little tricky if it was like a music video or something that's something cool where you can just be completely open to separate things possibly if you're just going for visual elements in there but when you're talking about like a narrative story or something like that mm-hmm. where your story needs to cert- follow certain things in order yeah. to get to an emotional beat that you're looking for or build up or whatever that might be or even the message of your story it could start getting convoluted really really quick and yeah that's where your problems could come in so i don't know that's a tough one <clears throat> last question on that what part of the process would you say it's the most beneficial being being a directing duo my guess would be in pre-production but i'm curious if you have a different answer i'm sorry say that say that one more time what part of like the filmmaking process do you find it to be the most beneficial being a directing duo uh i I think well first of all it's the writing for us Mm -hmm. um the writing is super huge because uh, we take um, we're the, the uh, one of the most difficult things about writing is like when you write a scene or when you're writing something you, you it's it's hard to gauge whether or not it's working because you've been writing on it you know for three or four hours or whatever it is and uh, so so when as soon as somebody's done with the draft like on our end we can send it to the other other person we get immediate feedback because it's very fresh eyes and we're trying to be on the same page so. Mm-hmm. That that really uh, yeah, is efficient. Yeah, like most people, which is unfortunate. Like if you send it out, sometimes it takes a couple of days to hear back. Yeah, you know, and, and you don't know if it's working from even like... screenwriter friends and stuff like that. So if you're trying to just knock something out, um, and you just need quick feedback, it's it's hard, and and you know it's hard to get that. So for us, it it really helps because we'll be writing at the same time and sending our stuff to each other at the same time um, and then just revising and revising and revising, you know, and we could get work done quickly and, and more efficiently because of that. Um, yeah. And the same thing on set, I think too, like after we've like gotten on the same page and everything, uh, like it happened a couple times when we were out there in Korea, like one, like, um, I don't know. And, and they, the film supply did a, did a write up, you know, blog thing on us with the film and there's a picture of uh me in the back of a truck of the truck um with jared and uh my brother's not there so when we were on set like nobody and this is this is the, the truck that we wanted and you know we couldn't find any anything else and it really fit like for our story and nobody knew how to drive stick so like yeah, we had a crew yeah so like like all these the trucks sitting there and we're like ready to roll and like nobody's drive. like driving so we're like what's the deal and so we <laughs> both of us knew how to drive and, and at that point it's like okay well one of us just drives drives his truck and the other one just you know is able to direct so it's 
and that's happened multiple times like even like you know if we if, if we're running behind or we need to split you know one scene needs to be prepped by blocking actors and the other scene just needs to be shot you know with a different scene we can split up and actually maximize our time yeah um, helps. so that really helps yeah well it's a great segue i was gonna ask about uh sleep well my baby um how'd that project come about like can you take us to like the starting point and the genesis of that yeah they um the company link uh which is an amazing company by the way they, they are some of the coolest people just in general and what they do is amazing but um they had gotten a hold of us because they saw a film that we had done for a company called um ijm international justice mission and we did like a a short piece um called super marco on cyber sex trafficking um that ended up uh snagging uh, a webby for it which was cool but they so they, they had heard about that and then they found out about us and so basically yeah scheduled a meeting and when we first met with them we knew before the meeting was over that we wanted to be a part of of their cause and what they were doing for us um you know doing films that we feel like can benefit society is really huge for us um, like social justice films and different things like that whatever that might look like but um, so we just got really excited, um, even though the budget was, was low, um, it was just a project that we really wanted to be a part of and make work. So from that moment on, um, it, we basically had about three months to, to write and then shoot it and then edit it and, and turn it into them. So, um, that's pretty much, yeah, how, how it came, how it came out. Uh, came about and um, yeah, we would just go down there and then meet with them and look at different, you know, we, we talked about different case case files that we had gone through and stuff. And, and uh, it took a while to figure out which story to go with. Um, yeah. Cause there's so it, many and, and all of them were so heartbreaking. I mean, we were, we were a lot of times just crying, just reading all these case files. It, they're, it's just such an unfortunate s circumstance and situation um, but we, we wrote three drafts, uh, three different scripts and, um, they had agreed on, um, what, what is now sleep well and my brother too. I, I, I wanted to do a different one. I was really excited about one of the other ones that we had, but I was obviously outvoted. <laughs> so I got the boot. Um, but, uh, yeah, once, once that was picked, we just went full swing into that and, uh, yeah. And now we're here, I guess. <laughs> well, and and I remember, I think I read an article. I don't know if it was through Film Supply or what, but you guys talking a little bit about the how you came, how you came to this story, and how it has how it has elements from from different stories put together and and heightening heightening of of certain elements of it. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that and kind of why um why sometimes tellings like completely true stories sometimes lack cinematic elements yeah i mean the the most difficult thing uh for us to do I, I i well i think in general is i mean you literally only have like five minutes or seven minutes you know to and so like though one story can be very very true and if you drag it if you like just told that story it'd be amazing um and it's it's a lot more real. Um, the, the issue is is wrapping everything up so it's it's a, it's a full like beginning, middle, and end. Like mm -hmm. it's got like a everything ties in together. That's 
for you know that's the most difficult part and so like when we were talking to the company we we had told them like you know we'll have to do the same thing that we did with the super marco piece which is like you know taking elements of true stories and actually combining stuff so that we have something that's you know cohesive um so that was we we read about this chick who you know when she was eight months pregnant she jumped off the moped because her hat had fallen off and it seemed to us that there was such a like a boiling point for her for that moment you know it's it's like whoa man like she's trapped in china she's been exploited she um has no freedom whatsoever and her hat gets blown off and she's willing to jump off the back of a moped eight months pregnant just to get a hat like that's crazy like that something about that just grabbed us but but it's there's no um you know when we were we were asking different questions with um you know the organization and there's no like emotional connection there's no it's very difficult you know in our heads for the audience to even care or understand that with so such a quick amount of time right so then there there are elements that we felt like we needed to weave in there to emotionally connect this character with the hat yeah i mean it was obvious though that she she had to do it because it was it was the only thing that she had um and and it was the only thing that she had left that was hers. And so that was her reasoning, but you can't show that in, in film. Nobody's going to know, nobody's going to be able to get in her head and just to know automatically that this is the last thing or the only thing she has left. Um, unless, unless you kind of hopefully set it up right. So yeah, for us, we just, I think one of the things that really helps us is like, once we get like a case file, like a real story like that, or like this, um, we just try to dive in as much as we can to that individual person, like what they like, what they don't like, um, what their relationship is, what, who is the most important person to them. Um, for us, relationships are really huge because then we can, we can expound upon their emotional journey by taking away a relationship or jeopardizing a relationship or, or, um, yeah, different things like that. Um, and for a short, um, it, it, we found that it worked for us when we did super Marco and we took something that this kid really liked, which was Superman. It was this character that he really looked up to. And we basically, just stuck that in there and interwove it throughout the storyline until we had something cohesive. And so for sleep, well, we kind of took the same concept um, and incorporated her baby a little bit more um, and, and the hat. Um, so, um, and then, yeah, like, and then, I mean, for us, it's trying to find like, what is the main theme that's like woven throughout that'll be woven throughout this piece. So like there's this, there's this sense of um, not only with this particular woman, but like in every case, there's a sense of leaving their country in search of freedom and then being, being caught in as worse or it it could, yeah, even worse sometimes like um, where there's the freedom is like completely stripped from them. So there's this, this theme of, of isolation, imprisonment, um, a lack of like choice that's, you know, all these choices have been made for you and you don't, you, you just kind of have to go along with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a terrible way to live. And so like, that was big for us too. And, in, in, in weaving, like trying to weave like stuff that's visually conveying 
her in, in a sense of imprisonment, isolation, like um, just in, literally being enslaved in, in her environment. Yeah. What were the, I mean, you guys have like beautiful locations. Um, and, you know, you talk a little bit about like finding those and like the difficulty shooting on location. <laughs> yeah. 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 That actually was really interesting. We, um, that was our biggest challenge because when we were out here in the States, um, our producer sent us a, a bunch of pictures based off of what our references were that we had given them. And when the pictures first came in, we were like blown away. We were like, these locations are amazing. Um, so we, we picked, you know, like the house and certain things as our first location. When we got there, we were like, I mean, usually locations are different and you're very like intentional in how you shoot things. But this was like on a whole different level. I mean, it, the pictures were outdated. Um, and so like in, in, in our first Out, house, Outdated by a couple years. Like, yeah. Like we're, literally, we're like, like we're like they had beautiful cornfields like in the front of the house and like this long dirt driveway, and and that was like how, how we had written the scene based off of one of the photos that he had shown us because the truck needed to drive down this dirt road you know away from the house as he comes out with the baby. One of our shots is there, but it was supposed to be a longer shot. But when we got there, the, the whole like front of it was completely gone, and it was just like a, a a road now. Like there was no field; it was just a a paved road, and um, this the like house, a, yeah, like a road. Like that, it wasn't even it wasn't even going in the same direction. It was completely perpendicular <laughs> yeah. to the axle, and it was it was it had cut the cut the field in half. And it's a road where it's like a main road where cars are driving. So it's like. It's and completely there are different. So many how like there's so many modern houses now out there just in the middle of this like I guess community that it just threw us off like where um we we've I mean we've had to be pretty specific and intentional with how we shot but like when we when we first got there we actually didn't think that we'd be able to really pull it off as much because the way that we like to shoot as well is like creating an environment for actors um, and a freedom for them to work within the frame um, and, and, and kind of adapting to that and, and in some cases moving around that. And, and since we shoot digital, um, we just like to let it roll in a lot of cases and hopefully pick up organic moments. And um, so, so when we got there, we, we felt like we needed to keep looking um, just for something a little bit more um, specific for what we had wanted. Um, yeah. and we and, didn't have the budget too for like an actual a proper, like location scout or manager or anything. So we were using our producer was helping with that. And then also just some of the volunteers from the organization, but we had, we had budgeted in there like, you know, a week and a half to come out before to right. actually, to actually just prepare and say like, we, we got to find our location. So we spent a, quite a few days just driving around and marking stuff. And, and another thing that was, that was interesting was like the, the, the environments we were going for were like three or four hours away from, from the city. Like there was from nothing Seoul. Yeah. in Seoul. So it was, that was difficult too. So we, we would, we spent quite a, quite a bit of time just yeah driving around, looking at stuff on Google earth and stuff, and then coming back to our producer and being like, Hey, can we check this out? And, and then we ended up settling on the locations that he had provided anyways. Um, 
which ended up working out great because once Jared got there, we, we had, we had all just kind of hunkered down and thought of how, how intentional we could be, um, in shooting, you know, these, these, these spots, mainly it was just the houses and stuff. And the roads took us a little bit of time to find because we were so far north up in, in South Korea that um, we really felt like the effects of, of like North Korea in the sense of like a lot of it is like a no fly dr- drone zone. Yeah. So a lot of locations that initially that we found that were really nice that we liked, we, we couldn't uh, fly a drone there. Um, so we just had to keep looking. Um, so the, the, the rural road that we found was, it ended up being perfect. And it was just off. We, we saw it off the side of the freeway while we were passing by on the overpass and pulled over and it just ended up being a perfect location for us. Yeah. Like but, we wanted something in the end, like when she's, when she finally, like after she crashes the bike and everything makes a decision to walk away, um, something that gave us that. We were looking for a place that had a lot of depth and just like a, a long road that was basically like this this whole thing ahead of her. And then we came across this particular location that's in the film where like the moment we saw it, all three of us, I mean, and the moment we showed Jared too, everybody was sold on it because it just visually is like her at a crossroads, you know, like she stands up and there's two, one's to the left and one's to the right. And it just visually for us, it felt like for the first time in her life, like she was faced with a decision and she was choosing to leave. Like mm-hmm. she was making a, a, a conscious choice to leave the life that she had been trapped in. And so it, it, it just worked out perfect for us. What was, what was casting like? What was the, the process of that? I'm assuming you probably went through a casting agency over there. Yeah. We, uh, no, we, we didn't. didn't. No, the budget didn't. didn't. Yeah. We didn't have, enough um to, to hire out an agency so we we did it ourselves at at a we work our producer like helped us yeah with i mean our we, producer we was incredible up. like he really did so much he was like our casting director and yeah, he, he helped he, did, he just went above and beyond but yeah we we, we had it at a, a we work yeah <laughs> so there's like so it was really a lot like, of distractions yeah. and um, i mean we we and and like none of our cast and for the majority of people in, in that regards could speak English. So our producer was there as our interpreter um, when everybody would come in and, and we'd have to, it was our first time really working with an, an interpreter, which is interesting as well. Cause you don't know if things are fully getting translated properly and things like that. But um, yeah, usually we'll keep casting for roles if we have to do it once twice three times four times we've done it five times before for short films just like you'll get people that are good and you'll get people that are great but then you'll get people that will come in and you're like okay obviously you you are the person you're the character yeah like this story Um, was based off a woman who was like four eleven, five foot she was super tiny and and um we needed somebody to to tell so much just emotionally with their eyes and just a lot of subtleties. So then we had set up the casting session like that and everything. And, and the moment this, you know, woman walks in, she was the smallest, the short, like her height just completely, that was the first thing we noticed is she's so tiny. And then she looks so innocent, but yet um, could have a sense of resolve about her. Mm-hmm. And um, we just did a couple things with her. And then uh, we just, we immediately felt like this was, this was our, character 
Can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned translator. Can you talk a little bit about like how it was like working with talent on set through a translator? Yeah, yeah. It, it was super it was interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was really difficult. Um, Cause usually for us, what we like to do, um, we don't like to be very um, specific with, with, uh, with um, like we're very specific in our, in our, situations that we can create with our actors and and their emotional like relatability with with a certain environment or or another character like we we like to set up like like and and it's kind of what we learned and when we had gone to some acting courses at baron and brown in santa monica but um so we we like to dig in really really deep but we don't like to tell them how to do things um because whatever they do is going to be better than if they're, if they're really good. And if they're professional, we believe whatever they do is going to be better than what we could just tell them to do. Um, cause they bring their own choices and stuff. But with this, it was really interesting because we couldn't really like take the time to like dive in to them, like individually directly because, because of a translator. So, and, and so we had to, uh be a little bit more like directional which we don't like, like. We, yeah like a lot of stuff too would get lost in translation and we found that pretty pretty early on like um you know when we're directing actors we like to give intentions objectives like stuff to that it's not just like a noun like you know you're happy here or you're like you're sad here or you're like you know you're, you're just super pissed like that stuff just doesn't work well and actors hate mm -hmm. it and so we, we work really hard to, to, to figure out, okay, like a couple intentions for each actors beforehand. And so, but then that gets lost in translation. Yeah, they started, like, they get really, they confused. get really confused. And then, and then, um, you know, it, it's, and, and maybe the person translating, cause there are quite a, a couple people translating off and off every once in a while. Like they, they're not to them. It's like, okay, well you just need to be happy here. And so, so it, it's just like it, a lot of stuff can get lost in translation. Um, so the moment we, we would and then we started asking the actor like what she thought of the scene and if she understood the scene then we're like yeah that's great you just do what you're gonna do because like we don't know how to <laughs> it was diff it became difficult at that point to communicate and if we needed to add little directions in here and there we would after that but um that's why for us it was really 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 important to find somebody who understood the character understood the scene before we even got to production and yeah she was phenomenal um she really got it. Um, well, what kind of work did you do with her beforehand? Like before, before you started filming, we, we, we had like meetings with them individually and we just talked through just the character and, and the situation of what they're going through. We shared with her, um, the actual story of this character, like mm -hmm. what this person kind of went through. Um, we shared with her, we, we had just talks on like what she had felt like emotionally, what we felt like emotionally this person was going through. So we kind of were able to talk through and we did this with, with all of our actors and stuff. So we were able to talk through like a lot of the emotional elements, um, you know, found within each person and stuff and, and as a whole through the story. Um, so I think that really, really helped. Like everybody understood their individual roles and their individual characters. Yeah. Um, like it was, it was important for us. Like, you know, one of the characters, the guy who's smoking in the beginning, the first husband, we were, um, 
it was important for us that nobody appeared just like a typical bad guy, you know, even though he, he does, there's a sense, a scene of beating and stuff like that. It's, it's more of just, um, trying to understand where he's coming from, why he's doing what he's doing. And so like he had a tendency to like, um, stick out his neck a little bit and, and just kind of be really tense. And he mm-hmm. already has an intense kind of a look. So we would just keep reminding him like, Hey, hey relax your neck a little bit. You know, you're coming across a little too intense, like just relax your neck. Um, for, and, and then trying to direct him more as far as like, you know, you're not, you're not angry at here for her for no apparent reason. Um, you know, you love her, you know? And so like, how does this make you feel when the person you love is, it's as if she just cheated on you, you know, stuff like that. Um, and he, I mean, cause he has to sell her. And a lot of these people in China, like they sell their wife because they get a, a feeling that they're running away. They're going to run away and they don't want that to happen because they paid a lot of money for them and, and they're in debt. So it's a very unfortunate thing for them. They, they get very sad as well. Um, and just heartbroken because it's just, really um, unfortunate situation so we tried as much as we could to help you know even this this person this character understand that um and he he gave so much good stuff for us that we really could like tweak that with the edit but a lot of it unfortunately um just hit the cutting room floor because it starts to feel like his story and it's not you know um so there are certain elements that we need in there like we need him just to to and in, in, in this scene, one of the scenes to, to beat her and kind of push it, that part of it forward. But what we tried, what we, as much as we could, we tried to still leave in certain moments where it could be, um, we could be humanizing him a little bit more as well. Um, yeah. Well, it's a beautiful film, guys. Um, is that, so just kind of moving on to your like future, are you guys like, do you guys do want to do more narrative stuff? Do you guys... You guys see yourself as doing some commercials and music video? Like, what's kind of the plan? Yeah, I mean, narrative is is and always has uh, been our ultimate goal. We just finished um, a feature with a good, really talented writing buddy of ours, and so um, we're going to be shopping that around pretty soon. Um, but uh, we're really, really trying to focus hard on um, breaking into the commercial world right now um we've got a couple specs that we're also working on and people that we really want to work with and um want to we're we're driving hard for that um Mm -hmm. for a short-term goal and then continue to work on our long-term content uh later so what what kind of what kind of specs uh we got a sports spec that we're working on um a sports one, a car one, and then um, we're doing like a micro doc, a mini doc. Um, we just finished this one for a company called AdCan. Um, so yeah, again, that comes out in a week and a half, I think. Yeah, so, I think in a week and a half or something. Yeah, so have you guys heard of AdCan? No, I'm not, I'm not familiar. Yeah, neither am I. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like park pictures, partisan, like a, a, a couple different um, you know, really established production companies who, who partner up with, um, uh, nonprofit organizations. And so basically you create a spec, but the judging panel is like, you know, vice psyop, like, you know, some really prominent companies. And, um, we just got shortlisted for that, for the grand prix award. So like their award ceremony is going to be on the 15th. And, and, um, so yeah, you have like opportunities there and stuff. And that's what we're, we're trying to 
Nice. Yeah, that, yeah that's sounds, really cool. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I'd heard I'd heard of like Mo film and and different things like that. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah I, I just it's I a just cool have... thing because like the nonprofits get a free product out of it, um, and then like you know production companies that are that are I don't know if they're looking to expand their roster, but if they are, they're a part of the judging panel. Right. So that you know if they find something they like, then who knows it could go from there. But if mm. not, then whatever. And then the filmmakers, you know, obviously they're looking that aren't repped or yeah. You just need to yeah build out your reel and stuff so you get, get something a little bit it. more exposure. So it's it's a cool way to how they set it up because it's kind of like a win win for everybody. Yeah. Well, I think things like that are great because sometimes it can be yeah. so like all right, I'm going to do a spec and there's just like, if the world is your oyster, it's kind of like, it's a yeah. little difficult to narrow it down. But when you've got some guidelines and, and something yeah. to kind of work within, I think that really makes it a totally. little easier. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. And then just hearing you, cause uh, yeah, I heard your guys' last one too with Maceo. Like that was super encouraging too. Cause like his work is killer and mm-hmm. um, you know, the specs that, you know, still doing stuff like that, you know, like, you know, just understanding for us too, like wanting to keep, keep perfecting, I guess the craft and keep yeah. working on stuff, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think a uh, question we always like to end on is, is advice for future filmmakers. Um, anything, you know, now you wish you would have known starting out or uh, anything you would, you would say to a young filmmaker that's just starting to get their feet wet. I mean, yeah, because we still feel like we're still still getting our feet wet. But what we can say is like we've been doing this now for like five or six years. And only in the last year and a half have we been really proactive and, you know, working on passion project, even understanding what that meant. Right. Not waiting around for other people to give you like just to hand you something and just, you know. And so, like, if I were to look back at myself and, you know, five years ago, I would just say, like, dude, like, just feel it's not just directing nowadays. It's just like, you gotta, you gotta learn, you gotta learn a lot of stuff. And, and there's, there's so many things in the filmmaking process to learn, like cinematography, screenwriting, directing, like so many things, just work on, just work on it. Like, just keep, keep carving away, like keep working on stuff, like keep being, in, you know, inspired by other things and, and just don't stop practicing. Yeah, and one of the things that we're learning ourselves is like there's no there's no one project that's gonna get you anywhere yeah. or any any or your big break or whatever. It's it's the work that you do, you know, every project will lead to the next and just don't stop. Even if you have to make your own stuff, like just because whatever that might be, like you never know what doors that are that's gonna open up. Um so don't just sit around and wait for something to happen, just just be proactive about it as best as you can. And if there are people, I know it's, it's hard because filmmaking is all about working with, with other people um, and being appreciative of what they do um, and what they bring to the table. So I know a lot of times it can be hard if you don't have like a, a, a crew or a team, but there's always people that are up and coming that are, that are willing to, to work for cheap or for nothing just to have, you know, that experience and to put something under their reel. And yeah, if you can find the right people, um, you can keep pushing yourselves. Um, and that's where it gets, that's where it gets worth it. It's yeah. fun. Well, one last follow up question, just cause I'm always curious. Um, yeah. what, how, how do you guys stay proactive? Like on a, when you're not working on something specific or maybe you've got a bunch of projects up in the air, how do you go about like, 
organizing your day because i know you know anyone who's anyone's a director and is fortunate enough to have that be their sole source of income you're you're a freelancer so i'm just you know i'm always curious how how different directors go about organizing their day staying proactive and um just getting things done well for me like um one of the books that's been really helpful is um it's called seven habits of highly effective people and it's uh it's been really helpful for me i i Basically, like it, it, it just talks about like, um, yeah, scheduling out your week like beforehand. So what I like to do is like, because um, otherwise I'm just like all over the place. I get nothing done. So it's like, okay, like I need to do research on, you know, just what's being current and stuff. So it'll be like half an hour, 45 minutes on Vimeo every morning or and then that'll be scheduled in or just continuing to write every day, like 30 minutes to at least an hour if I'm not on a specific project mm-hmm. because we have other stuff we need to edit and we have to get done. And so all that stuff, like as far as pushing, like pushing ourselves, like we'll try to schedule that in the morning first to get that, to get that done. Right. And then just, you know, so yeah. yeah. And then just wanting to work on something spe- super specific, like the, we're working on a short film right now that we just want to explore, like, just a character like not just so much a story beat but just a character how a character deals with a specific situation and so we just talked about that idea the other day and so we're, we're fleshing that out um right now as well one of the and things that's like, been helping too is just going to like the library we've been spending a lot of time like just at the library yeah um and just going through photography books like documentary um, stuff and yeah, I think you can find a lot of inspiration through just a single picture. Like with with this ad can spot that we did, it just all came about this through one image that was so captivating. Yeah, um, you just ask yourselves just different questions on how this came. How do you think that this person came to this spot? What, what you know, their backstory, different things like that, and you can build out. Um, yeah, an entire things. short just yeah. on one photo. Yeah, like that's been pretty inspirational for us too. Nice. So. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. That's, I think that's great advice. I actually have that Seven Habits book like on my bookshelf. Somebody gave it to me a long time ago, and I've, I've oh. yet to read it. So I'll have to have check you, it have out. Have you read it yet? I, I haven't. I think I read like the oh, first man. chapter. It was one of those things. Actually, it was like a, it was like an internship I had, and they gave the guy gave it out to like everyone on the on like the production team and he was like forced us to read it so that kind of made me not want to read it uh, (laughs) now now i'll have to take it out and read it for myself i i mean it it, i mean to each his own like i mean it might it might help it might not for me for us it really helped we didn't have any structure growing up at all yeah and it just like it just opened up a world of difference like it's literally changed so much about how we how we go about and do work and stuff so it's it's been really helpful for us. I mean, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. really cool. I'll, I'll I'll definitely be cracking that open. I, another one. I, have you guys read uh, the Thirty Second Storyteller? No, no. You should you should check that out. Uh, Anderson Wright actually recommended that to us on here a while back, and it's like, okay. um, it's literally like. Film if school. I'd have only learned that in film school, like just from a commercial directing standpoint, it's like yeah. everything you need to know. It's like, I mean, a little bit dated cause it was written in like 2005. So he talks a lot about film, film cameras and, and different things like that. Um, but it still is like, as far as the agency process yeah. and like getting boards and bidding and what to ask for your day rate to like signing contracts as a director, like yeah. just about everything. 
That's really wow. interesting. What? That's in the 30-second storyteller? Yeah, I believe that's what it's called. Oh, wow. Yeah, 30-second okay. storyteller. Yeah. We'll look that up. I just picked up a book, to The War of Art. Yeah, I've heard Have of that. Read... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read that yet, but I heard that was pretty good. Um, but that sounds amazing, because that's like a lot of, too, the challenge is like, yeah, how, the pitching process, yeah, the rates, all that kind of stuff. Pre-production meetings, like all these different, like, yeah. all these yeah. different things you just, like, do not learn in film school as far as yeah. the commercial side of thing. Yeah. So, right. well, thanks, guys. Awesome. We, uh, we appreciate you guys coming on and uh, sharing a little bit of your story. Yeah, dude, thanks for thanks for having us. We love your guys' stuff, and yeah, it was yeah super awesome to come on here. There it is, y'all. That was the boys of Twin Towers, and that's going to do it for us this time. We'll be back next time with a new direct and some new quests. Oh, 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 oh,